coming. The snowflakes will be falling. It's the most wonderful time of year. So hang up your stockings, put the tinsel on the tree, because Christmas is coming, my dear. It's the only time of year the reindeer fly. You can't see them on the sleigh ride across the sky. Gather all your family round, or go out and paint the town. It's the only time of year the whole wide world turns upside down. Hey, welcome to Parkview. Christmas is coming, and we are thrilled that you joined us today. We hope that you feel at home here, whether it's your first time or, like me, you've been around for over 10 years. That makes me feel old. I don't know about you guys, but Christmas at Parkview has a sort of magic to it. It could be the lights, sure, the extravagant stage setup, the catchy tunes, but to me, the special thing has always been in the way that people are so drawn to this baby Jesus, this little baby who grew to be the savior of the world, and now, now we get to worship him as our king. So whether you're joining us online or at one of our physical locations across Homer Glen, New Lenox, or Orland Park, we hope that you leave inspired today. We're almost about to start, so sit back, settle in, and get ready for Christmas at Parkview. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's the only time of year the reindeer fly. You can't see them on their sleigh ride across the sky. Gather all your friends around or go out and paint the town. It's the only time of year the whole wide world turns upside down Because Christmas is coming Christmas is coming Christmas is coming away But I think that's the really interesting part about Christmas. It can be new every year. And we can either let last Christmas keep us stuck in the past, or we could see what this Christmas, what it could be, you know? Powerful words. Maybe it can bring someone a little bit of hope this season. Hope so. Check this out. Dang all the mistletoe, I'm gonna get to know you better. Christmas and as we trim the tree, how much fun it's gonna be together. This Christmas, the fireside is blazing bright. We're caroling through the night, and this Christmas will be a very special Christmas. Filled with tears, 
church we come into this house we want to celebrate the power of the grave and that's a good thing that we should want to celebrate but today we worship a God in a manger who had just as much power just as much authority no rival no equal so come on let's lift this song up today let's get a little rowdy in this house come on the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you our Savior in heaven today. Come on. Hey, can I pray for us? God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving us a gift that we are so undeserving of, God. And as we come into this house today to celebrate your son, Jesus, would we become more like him? Would we understand that, that the whole world needs him? That this Christmas season is all about him? would our lives echo that as well, Lord? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for worshiping today, guys. You guys sounded great. You can now have a seat. Well, hey, everyone. Merry Christmas. You guys glad you're here? It's so great to have you here uh, celebrating with us. If this is your first time here at Parkview, 
Uh, I want to personally welcome you. My name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors around here. And it's just a drill and a, a thrill to have you celebrate Jesus with us. You know, in this last year, I've had a chance to be a front row seat to some incredible moments that God has done in our church, both in our community locally, but also around the world globally. And I, I want to take a moment right now just to first celebrate this incredible goodness of God and all that he's done, but also remind us that no matter what challenge that we face, uh, we should never, ever stop believing that God is at work, right? Check this out. That's incredible. Uh, and you know, that's a small snapshot of what God's doing through the people of Parkview. Uh, you know, none of that happens without you being faithful, without you giving, without you being generous. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, so much about what we're about to do this year is because so many of you continue to give. In fact, most of what comes into our church in terms of giving and generosity helps uh, cover the entire ministries of our church. But there's two opportunities that I want to share with you today that I think would be important for you to know because I think you'll want to be a part of what God's doing. There's two projects that we're involving in our Christmas giving initiative this year. And the first one is clean water in Africa. Uh, most of you know that we've got a presence in Africa and we do a lot there. And our church collectively has provided nine wells of fresh water in Kenya and Malawi. That's incredible. Yeah, go ahead and celebrate that. So this year, what we want to do is we want to do another one. We want to do another well. In fact, this year, uh, the well that we're going to help fund is actually going to help give clean water for 2,500 students at one of the schools there in Kenya that we support. So when you give this weekend and, th and today, you're actually helping to, to be a part of that project. The second one is tornado relief. And most of you are probably aware of the devastation that's happened in the southern part of our nation. And we partner with an organization that provides supplies and resources for those families who are going through the disasters that have been struck by the tornadoes down there. So when you give today, you're actually being a part of that as well. So we want to invite you to be a part of that. It's called the Christmas Giving Experience at Parkview, and there's a couple ways that you can participate. The first one is just by giving in person. There's actually an envelope on the chair back seat in front of you. You can drop your gift in there and then drop it at one of the giving boxes as you leave today. Or if you'd rather give online, you can do that by going to parkviewchurch.com give. Or you can just text the word give to 65649. God's doing incredible things at Parkview, and we want you to be a part of it, so don't miss out on doing that. As a reminder, everyone say December 26th. Okay, that's the day after Christmas. You all know that, right? You're all used to saying 25. Okay, December 26th is Sunday. It's next weekend. We are not having in-person services, so don't come here next week. We're all online. Okay, we're taking a week off and going online, but the following week, January 2nd, we'd love to have you back and celebrate the new year with us. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope you have a great experience. Welcome to Parkview. Because Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming away. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Homer Glen, New Lenox, Olin Park. We welcome all of you online. Good to have you with us. Merry Christmas. I'm Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And this is my ugly Christmas sweater. My favorite one. This is the dead cat from Christmas Vacation, in case you didn't figure it out already. If that thing had nine lives, she just spent them all, Clark, I'm telling you right now. Hey, I, I, one other thing. I learned something this year. Um, did you know that you could tell how many, uh, you, you know how you can tell the age of a tree by the rings on, on the tree, right? But did you know that you could tell the age of your Christmas tree, your artificial Christmas tree? by the rings also. I found this out. It's really fascinating. If you count the rings of duct tape, <clears throat> right? You're already dreading putting that thing away, aren't you? I know I am. The reason I've been wearing ugly Christmas sweaters is that we've been talking about how to live when life is unraveled. And I've been trying to help our congregation realize 
how much we've glamorized that first Christmas and how that plays into unrealistic expectations in Christmas 2,000 years later. Because when we're realistic with that story, we can be realistic with our story. And then when we read things like Jesus saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, that is the hope that we hang on to. Jesus is being realistic, like the first Christmas was. You will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That means the joy and the peace and the hope that come to us in Christmas come in the middle of our unraveled lives, okay? And that's not some quaint little story on your mantle. It's real people with real unraveled families and unraveled faith and unraveled lives. And that's why Mary and Joseph are in your little nativity set. And they're in a, in a baby, the baby's in a manger instead of a crib that they prepared for him. And the only people there with him are these smelly shepherds and some rich dudes from another religion in another country. The way it should have been was family in a house, Right? But the reason for the story is what's really most important. And good news of great joy to all the people. This is what the angel said. And for unto you a Savior is born. And that's what I want to really hone in on this Christmas Eve, okay, as we're doing this Christmas service. I want to hone in on this. Somebody said it best this way, I think. He came to our place, he took our place, and he invites us back to his place. Okay? He, he came to our place, that's Christmas. He took our place, that's Good Friday. And he invites us back. That's Easter and when we get to go be with him forever and there won't be in that world any trouble because he has overcome the world. And I want to focus on one thing this Christmas that has to do with our unraveled lives and it has to do with being honest for all of us. It's about, um, it's about our goodness, okay, or lack thereof. I, I love this meme somebody sent me. For anybody else that's getting cold for Christmas, maybe we can link up and get the grill going or something, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's really what it is, and I get it because we're all messed up. And check this out. I got a breakaway sweater. That's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like the opposite, I'm like the opposite of uh, Mr. Rogers at this point. I mean, we all get it because we're all messed up, right? I mean, I get it. I love the story. I tell it almost uh, every couple years because it's so funny. lady took her grandkids shopping, and uh, they're Christmas shopping, and then they get to the car. And in, their, in the car, the little four-year-old Jason, he turns to Grandma, and he says, Grandma, Susie has something in her pocket. And he pulled out a red barrette that Susie had shoplifted. You know, she's three, but she'd shoplifted it. And even though she was tired, the, the, the grandma said, you know, I went back. And I need to teach Susie not to shoplift. So we went back and put it back at the store. And then later on, they had to go to the grocery store. And at the checkout line, the clerk said, well, have you kids been good so Santa will come? And Jason said, I've been very good, but my sister just robbed the store. <laughs> I mean, at some point, we can all look at somebody else and compare ourselves a little bit, but the truth of the matter is, uh, we know we're not that good. And, and the problem with this whole thing is that the majority of people in the world believe that it's not just Christians who go to heaven, it's good Christians. And, and maybe it's good Jews and good Buddhists and good Muslims and whatever, right? Most people would say, if you walked up to somebody on the street and say, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the world? And which, by the way, is probably pretty soon, right? Because if I'm God, I'm like, okay, I'm calling it. We're done, right? God is going to gather up. This is what most people would say. God's going to gather up all the good, qualified people from all the religions, and they're all going to make it in. Many of you would even say to me, PT, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And then you would add, and you know, I do my best. I'm trying hard. I'm a good mom, dad, sibling, boss, whatever. <clears throat> And I never hurt anybody. And usually we add the caveat, I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> like we need to say that, right? Listen, just assume everybody knows that, okay? But the typical American wants to think of themselves as a decent sort of person. In our own, our, in our own eyes, we're trying to convince ourselves that we're not that bad. At least I didn't rob a store. But deep down inside, don't we know better? Let me tell you real quickly what the Bible says about you and I and being good. Paul said, for we have already charged that all of us, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Merry Christmas. 
Honey, we should have stayed home and watched Elf. That would have been better, right? Now, listen, listen, here's the problem with the am I good enough thing at the heart of Christianity. I borrowed this from Andy Stanley in Atlanta. He sums it up well. A couple of big problems. Number one is we don't know the grading system, right? What if the teacher at the beginning of the year says, you know what? I, I don't know how I'm going to grade you. Just do good and I'll figure it out. That's going to be hard to know, right? I mean, is a 90 an A or a 93 an A? You know, I need to know these things. And it's a huge deal if good people are going to heaven because I need to know how good is good enough. Hasn't that always been a little bit scary to you? And the second thing he says is, whose standard of goodness is right? You might say, well, PT, I mean, we all know right from wrong. Yeah, really? Do you know how many major wars have been fought? over two different groups and what they believed were right to God as they understood him? Think about it a little closer to home. Not too many years ago in this country, some of us white people, some of us white church people were very confused in our thinking about black people. And if you had gone to any of those white leaders back then and said, why are you doing this? Why are you treating these people this way? Why do you have slaves? They believed they were right. And now we look back and we're embarrassed and we don't want to be associated with them and we can't believe that they treated other people that way. But in that moment in time, they believed they were right and they were quoting scripture. And I know what you're thinking. Well, we're in church, right? We're Americans. So the answer is get your Bible out. I'll tell you how good you have to be because the Bible tells us. (laughs) Hold on just a minute, Donner and Blitzen. Are you sure you want to go there? Listen very carefully to what I'm going to say because I'm going to burst your bubble. If this is your goal, you are in deep fertilizer, if you know what I mean. You can never be this good. I know I can't. You may want to think of a lower standard than this, okay? Maybe find an old Mad Magazine or a Dr. Seuss book or something because this thing is tough. Well, Tim, I'm just trying to live my life by the good book, you know, the Ten Commandments. Are you now? Well, let's, let's see, okay? Let, let's just go through them for a second and see, see how we're doing measuring up to the Ten Commandments. I know you probably haven't thought about it for a while, so I'll help you with the list. Number one, no other gods before me. Never put any other thing in front of God. You get number one. Feeling a little uneasy already, aren't you? Okay, number two, no idols. Okay, I don't know if that might be that OLED TV or that PlayStation 5. I don't know what it is, but let's just give you that one. You probably don't have a golden calf in your house, so you can have that one. That's freebie, okay? Take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Okay, moving right on. Number four, the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath. You've always kept worship a priority in your life. Always time for God. Mm-hmm, okay. Number five, honor your father and mother. Parents, do not elbow your children right now. If you got this one, congratulations. Okay, let's get to number six. Please get to number six. I remember that one. It's murder. Yeah. Okay. Yay, I get one. Except uh, Jesus said, if you hate your brother... It's the same thing in your heart as murder, but you do whatever you want, okay? Number seven, adultery. But Jesus said, if you lust after someone and wish you were committing adultery with them in your heart, it's the same thing. How are we doing? Number eight, steal. Okay, keep going. Number nine, lie. Don't even try to take that one or you're breaking it. You understand? And number 10, impossible, thou shalt not covet. You can't can't get that one right because Facebook knows exactly what you want and it's always right there on your feed now, right? So how'd you do? Anybody get an A on that one? Okay, you you see what, I'm not going to go down the list, please. You see what I'm saying? What what I'm saying is probably most of us didn't even get a passing grade. And if that's what it takes to go to heaven, we're all in trouble. We should be able to relate to this prayer this woman prayed one day. Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. But God, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) Right? I just want us to be honest. Here's what the Bible says, okay? Don't feel bad. Don't think I'm getting on you. This is me too. All have sinned. How many is that? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everybody tried and nobody made it. 
He goes on, there is no one righteous, not even one. The Bible says, no, nada, zero, null, lang, nola, zero, zip, whatever your language, nobody is righteous. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. In other words, when you die, God is not going to look at anybody, including Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or, or your saintly grandma, and say, congratulations, you did such a good job keeping the law, you're in. Nobody. And he goes on and he says, rather through the law we become conscious of sin. The Bible teaches that the reason that God gave us this wasn't so that we could keep it and get into heaven. It was so that we could look at it and go, wow, I'm really not good enough, am I? And I hope this makes sense to you because this is what makes Christmas so different for Christians. Well, Tim, are you telling me that my being good won't get me into heaven? Bingo. I don't think I could tell you anything more important than that this Christmas, honestly. Merry Christmas. You deserve coal. But let me give you a little reminder. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. And when he grew up, Jesus said, hey, guys, here's why they call this good news. God sent me into the world so that anyone who believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. Because it's not about good people. Because that wouldn't be good news, would it? And again, I take you back. I bring you News? Is this what the angel said? I bring you news of great joy that will be to all the good people? No, that's not it. It's the opposite of it, even though most of the world thinks that. It's I bring you good news that will be of great joy that will be to all the people. In other words, don't confuse the good. It's good news, not good people. Let's think about this in relation to Christmas a little bit more. You know, buddy, your father, he's on the naughty list. No! Naughty list? What have I ever done to be on the naughty list? What are you doing in my chair? Checking my email. No. Yeah, throw that guy in jail. Yeah, you won't miss him. Skinny, ugly dude. All right. Hey. Who are you? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Is that Willie's? That's his. He said I could borrow it. Uh, I love you all. The insurance policy's in the top drawer. Look, there's Elvis. See? <laughs> That's going to leave a mark. You happen to notice my shirt? Yeah, it's a nice shirt, yeah. You know I'm a pastor there? See, you people are probably not going to get hot ones like I did. Look at that. Is he always listening? Yes. Can somebody please just give me some good news? This just in. The Christmas service starts in two minutes. Andy, seriously, do you think that's helpful? Coming up at 11, Tim gets coal in his stocking again this year. I don't know about you, but I grew up 50-50 on the naughty nice list. Some years were better than others. I mean, I wasn't too bad. My parents ironically swear that I was a good kid. I think that just means I was good at faking it. But I had my moments, okay? And, I mean, mostly I was just a boy. I've never told this story before, but one time I was playing in the backyard with my dad's golf clubs and balls, and somehow I nailed a shot right into the kitchen window where my mom was standing doing dishes and hit her in the head and dropped her like a rock. True story. She was okay. I mean, she spoke German fluently for a few days, but, but she was fine. And anyway, I still don't recommend being anywhere near the line of flight of one of my golf balls. And I grew up, of course, like many of you, with Jesus always watching me, right? Um, and, and so at Christmas, it was double downtime with goodness. You had to have the goodness with Santa and his list, and then there's Jesus. And, and it's really ironic there's a funny parallel between Santa and Jesus in American culture. I mean, think about it. They both live far away. 
Jesus is smarter than Santa because he lives in heaven where it's sunny in 75, and Santa picked the least inhabitable place on earth. Um, Jesus has helpers, right, angels, and Santa has elves and reindeer. Again, score one for Jesus. But at least to me growing up, it seemed like both of them were always watching me to see if I made the list, you know, like this magnet. Jesus is coming, look busy. But I guess it, at Christmas time, it would be this, right? Many kids, and unfortunately many adults, generally live with this whole idea that there is a good being out there somewhere who has good things for us, but in order to get them, we have to behave. In fact, this is most of religion distilled down to one point. I have to be good to get good things. I don't know where this behavior modification thing got related to Santa. I'm sure it was some random parent who was frustrated one day and said, if you're not good, Santa's not going to bring you any presents because St. Nick was a person who helped the needy because they were needy, not because they were good, okay? But somehow the idea stuck and we sing, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. Haha, <laughs> so this well, windstorm must have blown this Santa around. That's awesome. That's creepy, actually. And what's the next line? He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. In the justice economy of Christmas, we are all raised to think that if I've been good, I get a gift. If I haven't, I go straight to the naughty list. And it's coal for you, baby, right? And the problem is, the difference between a new PlayStation or a lump of coal at Christmas based on goodness is one thing, but the difference between spending eternity with God where there's no tears and no death and nor pain versus the alternative based on goodness is another. And kids, I just want to tell you something about this guy. I've never actually known a kid who got coal in their stocking. So don't, don't sweat the naughty list, okay? Grandpa Tim to you, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know Santa personally, but take a look at him and ask yourself if a jolly old elf like this would really bring you coal. I mean, don't hit your mom with a golf ball, but you're probably gonna get presents from Santa. And more importantly, how about we just put this whole thing to bed with uh, being good and Jesus, okay? For goodness sake, being good for goodness sake. Here's the part of the Christmas story you don't hear a lot, and it takes place when Jesus is 40 days old, um, but that's likely when the before the wise men get there, so Simeon really ought to be in this, but he's just not, okay? Um, here's, here's what I want to hear. I want you to hear. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem, again, this is still Luke 2, named Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. We don't know how long Simeon had been waiting to see the Messiah, but can you imagine every time he's just hanging out in the temple, and every time there's a blue blanket coming in, he would have rushed over to see if it was the Christ. And every time he had been disappointed until that day, and he sees Jesus, and he took him in his arms, and he praised God, right? What would you think if you saw this elderly man grabbing the baby and dancing around in the temple courts, grab, you know, shouting, I'm ready to die, I'm ready to die, honey, get the pepper spray. I mean, this is crazy. We don't know exactly how or why, but when he saw Jesus, he knew that God had kept his promise and that the naughty nice list was over. I'm just telling you, notice something that's really important here. The wording here about Simeon. Simeon was righteous and devout. He was a do the next right thing kind of guy. So if anyone should have been secure in his placement on the naughty nice list, it would have been Simeon. He's the wise old guy, right? He's Gandalf. He's Master Yoda. He has a superior connection to the supernatural, and he's ready to go to heaven, but God has promised him, only him, that he's going to get to see the Messiah. So he's hanging out in the temple, waiting on the salvation that was coming from the Lord. And in spite of his own goodness, he recognized the need for God's intervention and help in his life. And when he saw Jesus, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. And he will be a light for revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. 
So notice, Simeon doesn't say, I've seen the source of my joy. I've seen the Prince of Peace. He says, now I have seen your salvation. Evidently, Simeon knew what the most important thing was, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. That's why the Christmas story is so awesome. If you look at the nativity, who are the visitors, right? They're the shepherds who are God's people, Israel, but they're the coal getters in the economy of of Judaism because they couldn't worship in the temple because they were unclean, because they worked with animals. They weren't naughty, but they could never measure up to being nice. And who else is here? The wise men, right? Who are they? The light of revelation for the Gentiles. It's interesting that they are Gentiles because in, again, the the, the naughty nice list of Judaism, they're on the naughty list already. They're following the stars, not the Bible, right? And, 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 And so that's where they should be, but this is a light. Jesus brings a light brought to them, and there's so much more. No one ever reads from the genealogies at the beginning of Matthew when they're reading the Matthew's version of the Christmas story. My father-in-law, rest his soul, uh, man, he, he was, it was always so fun to have Don read the Christmas story, but nobody backs it up all the way to the genealogies. Why are the genealogies in there? Well, in Matthew's version, he's proving that Jesus goes back to David and Abraham, okay? But out of those first 14 names from Abraham to David, five of them are women. That was never heard of in, in that day. And four of the five of them were Gentiles. And one of them, to be politically correct, was a woman of ill repute named Rahab. I mean, you want to talk about a coal getter, right? She probably thought she'd never make the nice list. Yet, not only does she make the nice list, it's recorded for us at the beginning of the New Testament. And then, all throughout Jesus' life, who does he hang out with? The naughty listers, the sinners. And then you get to the cross, and where's Jesus? He's on a cross, hanging, paying the price for our sins. He's being crucified next to a couple of coal getters for sure. A couple of thieves, the Bible says, who are being executed for their crimes. And I just read this week that that same word for criminals or thieves here is used in other Greek literature of its day to describe pirates. Okay, so these aren't just regular thieves. These are pirates, right? These are the men who are so out of control, they couldn't even be trusted to be ankle-chained to a boat and and row a ship. They had to just be executed. They were were naughty listers. And, And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus and said, aren't you the Christ? I just did a pirate accent, didn't I? Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, you are punished justly. We are being punished justly for getting what our deeds deserve. And what does this guy recognize? He recognizes that even in a human court of law, he is supposed to get coal. He's being punished by human standards and he deserves to be on the naughty list. But then, I don't know, just for the heck of it, he says, hey, Jesus, uh, can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Well, I'm sorry, you didn't do anything good. You're too bad. You're a pirate. You're being executed for crying out loud. What kind of standard do you think there is to get in? Is that what Jesus said? No. That's what I would have said. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today, He will be with me in paradise. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know a rededication from the cross doesn't mean much, right? Oh, hey, from here on out, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm telling you, Jesus, from this point in my life, I'm turning things around. I'm I'm going to change. I'm going to make it on the nice list, I promise. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep. There's no way for him to do anything. He's about to die. Here's the thing that's so important about all of this. Christianity is not about do, it's about done. Unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let me summarize it in three statements from Romans 10, 13, okay? 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, 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 everyone? Yeah. Everyone? The Israel people who weren't so good? Everyone? Yeah. The Gentile people who weren't so good? Everyone? People on Santa's naughty list? Yeah. Yeah. All of them. Everyone is welcome. Everyone can meet the requirements. Everybody gets in the same way. Can you think of anything more fair, more clear than just that? Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way, and everybody can meet the requirements. The requirement is this. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody can meet the requirement. And that's the good news. Listen, this is why Christmas is so radically different for Christians, okay? Somebody sent me this a couple years ago, Christmas. Easier to spell than Hanukkah, right? Great, okay? And that's funny, but there's so much more to it because Hanukkah is a celebration of freedom for the Jewish people from 200 AD from another group of people. It doesn't have anything to do with God sending a Savior because obviously as an official religion, they don't officially believe that Jesus was that guy. The Hindus celebrate Diwali in November, but it's a festival of lights. The Muslims don't celebrate Christmas at all. They have Ramadan at another time of year, and Jesus is a prophet, not a savior. Buddhists celebrate Christmas because Buddha found enlightenment during the holiday season, but it's about love and goodwill, and Jesus is just a good teacher, not a savior, because you can, you, you can only save yourself, right? Any of these religions are always going to be the same. It's always going to be about the naughty nice list. It's still about putting the good in front of people instead of in front of news. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, there's a story in Buddhist literature that's the same as the story of the prodigal son, which is my favorite Jesus story ever. And it's the same at the beginning. Two these boys run away from their dad. They take the money. They run away. They waste it. And then at some point, they decide they're going to come back. But in Buddhist literature, when the young man comes home, his dad forces him to pay the penalty for the mistakes that he's made and pay off his debt by spending years in servitude because that's karma, right? But what happens in Jesus' story? The prodigal son comes home and starts to say, Father, I've sinned against you. And dad goes, no, it doesn't matter. I'm so glad you're home. I've been waiting for you. Gives him unconditional love and grace and forgiveness and and welcomes him home as a son and doesn't make him pay for anything because it's not about good people it's about good news what i'm saying is that no religious leader ever taught what jesus taught jesus taught that good people don't go to heaven do you understand that paul said it if righteousness could be gained through the law then christ died for nothing in other words if it was possible for good people to be good enough, then Jesus would have stayed there. He would have stayed at home instead of coming to us at Christmas. New Christmas song out this year I love from Sovereign Grace Music called, O Come All You Unfaithful. Because normally, what would we sing? O come all ye faithful, right? Joyful and triumphant. Well, but are we? Are we faithful? Are we joyful? Anybody feeling triumphant? I mean, there's a lot of dumb Christmas songs out there, right? You know? You know, a child, a child, shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? I mean, do you ever think about the words to these songs? I I don't know. But oh, come, all ye faithful. Listen to this. I think it it better represents the Christmas story. Oh, come. All you unfaithful, come weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. Oh, come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying. Come, see what your God has done. Oh, come, bitter and broken. Come, with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. Oh, come, guilty and hiding ones, 
There is no need to run. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. But listen, Jesus doesn't force himself on us, okay? Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We have a responsibility to open the door. God does not arbitrarily choose who's going to get saved and who's going to not going to be there with him. It's a gift. It's for everybody. It's good news of great joy for all the people, but you've got to accept it. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. You see, Jesus came and all the Pharisees and the religious people that thought it was about being good enough didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus because they thought they could do it on their own, and they were boasting in themselves. And a lot of religious people do the same thing. They're like, well, look at me. and My sins aren't as bad as you. My sister robbed the store, but I've been good for Santa. And I'm saying we need to throw all of that away and just be like who we really are in front of God and open the door and accept the gift. Like the wise men, like the shepherds, like the tax collectors and the prostitutes and even the pirates from the cross. Just to open the door and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been relying on me. I need to make a conscious decision right now that when I get before God someday, I'm going to say, Father, I would have flunked the test, but Jesus took it for me. That it's good news of great joy for all people, not news of great joy for all the good people. And if you've never done that, I'm going to give you the chance to do that today. We're going to pray and just pray in your heart. You don't have to say the right words. It's not about right words. It's about what's going on inside of here. And I want to encourage you to give it to him today. And I want you to remember, he came to our place. He took our place and he invites us back to his place. Just just say yes. And please don't confuse the good. It's good news, not good people. Just bow your heads with me for a moment and and pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I'm standing up here as a Christian pastor for a long, long time, and I know I'm not good. So let the people who are here right now say, Father, I know I'm not good, and I need you. And Jesus... Thank you for coming to my place and for taking my place so that we could all be united in your place. Jesus, I accept your gift. I'm opening the door. I'm letting you in. Sure, I do want to be a better person. I know that's a better way for me to live, but it only happens through your power, not mine. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Father, thank you that when I turn around right now and started coming back home, that you didn't say, well, wait a minute, you got to pay for some of this. You said, I'm so glad to see you. Let's have a party. This son or daughter of mine has come home. It's in your name that we pray. I just want you to thank God during this Christmas season for what Christianity really does mean in your life. And as a way of connecting you, we've got a card in the seat pocket in front of you at all of our campuses. Or if you're online or just want to do it this way, just type Jesus to 65649 and somebody will connect with you. We want to connect with you on your journey. It's not a part of your salvation. We just want to help you, okay? We want to help you on your way. I can't tell you over the years how many people I've talked to that said it was Christmas Eve when they really opened up their life to Jesus. And so we're going to do communion here in just a second. And uh, I invite you to take this thing out. Go ahead and peel the top layer of cellophane off, and the bread is there. This This is what Jesus gave to us the night before he died to kind of remember what he had done for us, to give it as a remembrance for us. And I want for you 
For some of you, this is going to be like First Communion for you. I mean, a lot of you, most of you grew up Catholic, you understand that concept. I'm, I'm, I'm making a step today, and maybe you've done it before, but today is a, is a, is a way of saying, okay, I, I get it. I, I, I have Jesus. I accepted him into my life. This is my communion. And for all of us, I, 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 I feel kind of weird even giving the parallel because I want to get over the whole vaccines and pandemics and all that stuff like you do. But you know what? I see this. The reason we do this every week at, at Parkview is, for me, it's a booster, okay? It's just a booster shot. I've I followed Jesus for a long time. I accepted Jesus for a long time. I got baptized when I was eight years old, and I knew what I was doing, and I made my own decisions along the way. But I need a reminder every once in a while that it's not about my goodness, it's about his. So let me pray for us, and we'll do this together. Let this be your moment. Father, thank you for your son that you gave, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus, thank you that that next verse says that you came into the world not to judge the world, because it's not about good people, but to save the world, because it's about good news. As we take this, we remember what it cost you when you came to our place and took our place so that we could be together at your place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The body of Christ, broken for you. This represents the blood of Christ we shed for you. Again, Lord, we come. It's, it's a special time of year. Maybe a lot of people in here have known this for a long time and just needed a reminder. I hope this is the first time some people are getting it. It's not about good people. It's about good news. Lord, be with us on our journey. And be with us now as we listen and remember what we're doing in your name. Amen. We've got a special song to close for you. Uh, Carrie Underwood and John Legend did this on uh, Carrie's Christmas album from last year. They went through a whole lot of stuff to get it done during the pandemic. Making the video, all of it was done during the pandemic, so it's, it's really incredible. You should watch it sometime. But the words are just about hallelujah. And I want you to understand that when the world is spinning out of control, when your sweater's coming unraveled, it's hallelujah. When you're spinning inside, it's hallelujah. When you don't feel good enough, it's hallelujah. And we hope that this is a blessing to you. And I, we couldn't get John Legend and Carrie Underwood, but I think we did even better. So just listen.
You can go watch the video if you want, but Christy and Montel nailed it better than Carrie and John ever could have. Um, I just happen to have my middle daughter, Lauren, and her husband, Tommy, who leads worship here every once in a while. And because my throat usually gives out somewhere in the middle of silent night because I'm not Montel, they're going to help us sing together, okay? Because I'm crying like a baby usually, yes, because this is the most beautiful moment of the year for me, and you know that all of your life. Dang, now you're going to make me cry. So stand up, everybody, because we have been doing this for a long time around here. And what it celebrates is the light of Jesus being passed from one candle at Christmas time to the ones around us as we sing this beautiful sacred song and close out our service. Silent night. Oh. Shepherds, when I 
look around bless us and keep us. May he make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Tell everybody about it and get them back here. Have a great one. Thanks for being here.